Good morning and welcome to chapel. This morning I'm going to begin our service by reading a rendering of Psalm 136 that makes use of feminine language for God. So here are these words of Psalm 136. Let us give thanks to El Shaddai, for she alone is good. Let us give thanks to the one true God, the one who rules over all. Let us give thanks to the one who works wonders. God's love endures forever. With wisdom, she made the heavens and set the lights in the sky. She created the sun to rule the day, the moon and the stars to rule the night. She spread out the earth upon the waters. God's love endures forever. She struck down the pride of Egypt and rescued her people from bondage. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, she made a path in the sea. She made her people pass safely through its midst, but drowned proud Pharaoh and all his hosts. God's love endures forever. She led her people through the wilderness into the promised land. She struck down kings and gave their land to her people. She has always remembered us in our weakness and poverty. God has rescued us over and over again from all who oppress us. God's love endures forever. It is God who gives, gives food to all flesh, filling the earth with her love. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. God's love endures forever. This psalm celebrates the eternal love of our God and invites us to come before God with gratitude and with praise. And as we approach the end of our year here at Goshen College, this psalm also invites us to look back on the past year and to consider where we have caught glimpses and experienced powerful reminders of our Creator's enduring love. As I begin to prepare for the end of my time here at Goshen College and plan for my return to that strange and somewhat mystical land to the north, <laughs> I realize that among the many things that I am grateful for, um, I am particularly grateful for the many times I have had the opportunity to listen um, to many of you. It is a truly a privilege to listen in, to have even just for a moment, have the opportunity to listen as you explore the life of faith, as you consider what it is to walk in the way of Jesus, as you wrestle and struggle with doubts and questions and experience joy and love. This morning, we will all have the opportunity to listen in, to hear a little bit about how three seniors have been shaped by God in their time at Goshen College. Josh Hertzler, Heather Zimmerman, and Annalie Murray will be sharing with us this morning. Thank you to each of you for being willing to open your lives to us in this way. I invite you into prayer as we continue in worship. Loving and gracious God, as we witness new life emerging all around us, new buds on the trees, the beauty of magnolias, apple blossoms holding the promise of new fruit, remind us that like creation all around, you are continually at work within each one of us, nourishing, encouraging, and drawing us out. 
speak to us in the stories of Josh, Heather, and Annalie this morning. Open our hearts to the presence of your unfailing love. Amen. invite you to a time of singing, um, number 13 in the Green Sing the Journey book.
Good morning. Um, hold on one second. Set my timer lest we be here forever. Um, my name is Joshua Hertzler. I am a senior. Uh, it's nice to be up here in front of all of you. I was just telling the other two people who are speaking, oh, no, I'm not nervous. It's fine. And then you walk up here and you start to shake a little bit. So, um, so when I was asked to tell my faith story, um, I, I sort of mulled it over and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? I'll do that, you know. I'd, you know, get up, speak in chapel, you know, give some of that senior wisdom that we're supposed to pass along, that sort of thing. Um, and then I actually, like, thought about it for a little while. And I was like, hmm, I'm going to have to, you know, tell people about my faith. And that's a little scary, right? It's not, not something I want to do in front of however many people are here. Um, but here I am, so... Here we go. Uh, I grew up in a Mennonite congregation uh, to Mennon, you know, Mennonite parents, Mennonite grandparents. Uh, it was a small church community, about 75 members, in a small town in western Pennsylvania. Um, and I always felt really comfortable with the, the Mennonite church and the Mennonite values that were certainly passed along to me in my growing up years uh, at this small congregation. Um, I think when you're growing up, you don't necessarily think much about, you know, church is like where you go to run around in the basement or play outside or, you know, it's just, it's that habitual thing that you get into. Um, and then in my eighth grade year, we moved from Western Pennsylvania to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is kind of, if you're not familiar with Lancaster, it's kind of a Mennonite hub, you know, in the, in the same way that Goshen, I think, is definitely a Mennonite hub. Lancaster's like that, but a lot bigger. You know, we have a million different Mennonite churches and that sort of thing. So we moved to Lancaster, and I started attending high school at Lancaster Mennonite School, uh, which is a private Mennonite-affiliated school in Lancaster. And... Um, that was sort of, I think, a blessing and a curse for me. I, I spent last semester as a student teacher at Goshen High School, which is a drastically different high school uh, setting than the one that I had the opportunity of going through on my own at LMS. Um, and I think I, I realize now how nice it was to be in a place where a lot of people did have similar belief systems that I did, and I really appreciated that in my high school years, to be able to uh, just sort of assume that my friends were, if not necessarily belief, you know, believers of the same thing that I was, they, they came from a similar place. And you know, the majority of the people that I hung out with did grow up in the Mennonite church. And so that was kind of nice, you know, it was sort of a safe haven where, you know, high school, you're sort of starting to test the waters of, of what you believe, but it's not, you know, you don't, at least I didn't get very far in that. Um, and so that was, yeah, blessing and a curse. I think it was really nice to have that sort of beginning time of, of looking at faith and what that means in a safe setting. Uh, but also, um, I didn't really get exposed to other kinds of, of beliefs or other belief systems until I got out of high school. Um, obviously, after high school, I came to Goshen College. And... Um, as I look back on it now, I think it's safe to say that in high school I was fairly narrow-minded. Um, and I recognize that, and that's, you know, it is what it is. But I, yeah, I came to, to college with this sort of idea of what, 
what it meant to be Mennonite and, and what Mennonites might look like. And there was a little flexibility there, but it was a pretty, pretty solid, concrete thing. And um, so my first year of college, I attended church semi-regularly, maybe once or twice a month. I went to a couple of different places, Assembly Mennonite Church, Berkey Avenue Mennonite Church, um, which is actually the, the church I was born into. Um, you know, just sort of doing the, the college church hopping thing. And I think that's a great thing to do in college, actually, and I'll try not to aside. But um, yeah, I would really encourage you to, to try out churches. You know, why not? This is a great time for, for trying out new things and not necessarily being tied down to one place. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm still attending church on a semi-regular basis. Uh, it has a little a little different meaning for me now because I'm actually choosing to go to church as opposed to through high school, you know, you, you just it's routine. And so your parents are going to church, so you're going to church. My first year, yeah, I really was, was faced with that. Okay, I'm choosing to go to, the, to church. And so what does that mean? If you're, if you're choosing to attend a church, it's, I think it takes on a, a new kind of significance. Um, and as I got into my second year here, I started to, well, I, I started to stop attending church, actually, um, which was partially a college decision, you know, Sunday morning's a great time to catch up on some sleep. And um, it was also partially a conscious decision. I, I had gotten to a point where I was, I was moving out of my um, self-perceived narrow-mindedness and sort of looking at some of the different the different things that I saw within the Mennonite church. And I saw some issues, and I wasn't quite sure what to do with that. And so my initial response was, I think, to just sort of step away a little bit and um, not necessarily confront them, but, you know, I knew that they were there, but I didn't really want to go into that. So my, my church attendance started to phase out. I was still, you know, involved in, um, I mean, obviously, Chapel was a, a big part of my life at that point, as is all of us students. Um, so I was still getting some church connection in that way. And then also, um, you know, my friends and I loved to sing hymns, and so I would get a, a spiritual fulfillment from that as well. We were fairly avid hymn singers uh, my sophomore year of college. Um, coming to the end of my second year and into my third year, I had pretty much stopped going to church entirely. Um, for a couple of different reasons. And, and I was really looking at what it meant to be a Mennonite and what it meant to be a Christian in a broader Christian world where often US American Christians are not necessarily seen in the most positive light by the rest of the world. And so I didn't know what that meant. Um, you know, it's, that's kind of a scary thing to have your belief system that you grew up with just sort of shaken or taken away entirely. And, and so I'm in this place of, okay, I'm not going to church. Um, I'm not having that community. I'm not necessarily getting spiritual fulfillment in any way. What now? You know, like what happens next? And uh, I think what happened next, or a big part of what happened next, was, well, one, running into the question of, of how can I be in community with Mennonites and, and sort of an, an ethnic Mennonite, if I can use that term, um, without having the, the church community. Because, you know, I, I love the, the cultural aspects of being Mennonite, and that has never changed. You know, I love potlucks, and I love the idea that you can come together and sing. Or, you know, and this is um, 
I don't know, for better or for worse. I kind of like the idea that you can go and find relatives in, you know, just about anyone, if you go back far enough. And, and so I was wrestling with this question of how can I have lots of relatives and good food and singing and all of that um, without really addressing some of the more core aspects of being Christian and being a Mennonite. And, and so last summer, um, I went to Senegal for my SST. And while I was there, my host father, while I was on study, um, he was a Methodist, very evangelical Methodist. Um, he asked me what it, what it meant to be Mennonite. He said the reason that he had signed up to host a student with the SST program was because he wanted to know what Mennonites were all about. He hadn't really heard much about them. Um, you know, Mennonites don't really have a presence at all, I would say, in Senegal. And, and so, yeah, he was really curious. And, and it's really hard to explain your faith, I think, in general. To do it in French was um, a bit of a challenge. But it's a kind of thing where when someone asks you what you believe, you have to actually explain it to them. And, and that really makes you think about it, you know? It's the kind of thing where when you actually, it's like if you're teaching someone something, you realize, wow, I really know this stuff, or, well, geez, I really don't, um, when you have to convey that information to someone else. And so that, that kind of got me thinking, again, about this whole what it means to be a Mennonite and to be a Christian. Um, and I kind of decided, that, yeah, okay, I, so I kind of want to move, move back into this and try it out again. Um, into my senior year, which is this year, um, I started to attend very infrequently, Benton Mennonite Church. And I actually realized I'm wearing a Benton shirt underneath this, so yes. Um, <laughs> I started attending Benton, and Benton was really cool because it was remarkably, it is remarkably similar to the church I grew up in. When we moved to Lancaster, we moved into a much larger church, about 300 members. And Benton is closer to the 60 to 75 member range, which just felt like home. You know, that was like, talking to an old friend, if you, I mean, it's kind of cliche, but that's really what it felt like to, to go back, and it was kind of weird, but at the same time, you know, I just kind of fell back into the mix, and Benton is a fantastic place, um, just to, to give a quick plug. For any of you who are looking for a church, it's 10, 15 minutes, there's a van that goes every week. Um, it was a really nice place to sort of come back into this Mennonite community, and, and start to really address these questions again. Um, so my timer is yelling at me, so I'll stop shortly. But I guess what I got out of this four years of college in particular um, is the idea that asking questions is good and having an open mind is good. And um, I discovered that the more I explored new things, and ask these questions, the more I was becoming more sure of what I, you know, of what I thought I believed, but didn't really know. You know, I, having to address these questions over and over again really helped to solidify my belief system and solidify where I am now. And I think college is a great time to do that. Um, yeah, so I guess in, in conclusion, I would encourage you all to, to not be so afraid, you know, I mean, obviously it's a terrifying thing to, if, for instance, you were to lose your belief system or something like that. You know, it's a scary thing, but 
address that and confront it and, and see where it takes you. Um, it certainly has led me on an interesting journey. Um, I've got to talk to a number of very interesting and exciting people because of it as well. And I guess, you know, I've, I've ended up back in a Mennonite community. I'm actually leading worship at Benton next Sunday. So obviously something worked out there. Um, but yeah, I guess I would encourage you to, to use this time in college to experience things and to not be afraid to try new stuff and, and see where it takes you. And when you come in at the end, yeah, you know, you might be drastically different or you may be remarkably similar to when you started asking these questions. Um, so that's all I have. Thank you for listening and blessings. Dude, it is so nerve-wracking standing up here in front of y'all. I'm used to standing right there, waving my hands about. I'm not used to speaking in front of everybody. So it's a little bit awkward. <laughs> Hopefully you learned that sign. That's how you say awkward. <laughs> This will be fun. <laughs> okay, so my faith story. Bob asked, he sent me an email and he was like, oh, will you share your faith story? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. And then when I started thinking about it, I was like, oh, snap. Oh, I'm going to have to get up in front of everybody and talk. Oh, no. That's going to be crazy. This is a good interpreter because she has crazy facial expressions. <laughs> so hopefully you all can see. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of having them read my speech so that I could sign it and be more comfortable, but I think it's really good to be comfortable in like an uncomfortable situation and learning how to just deal with that process. So I think that's something that I've been learning at Goshen, just being okay with, I'm not in control, I can't have this comfort, so yeah. Anyways, so how does a missionary kid from Guam, born in Rojas City in the Philippines, end up in Goshen, Indiana, in a Mennonite college? And I don't have a Mennonite background. I'm not from a Mennonite family. Um, I didn't know what Mennonites were before I came here. And God brought me here. Like, that's just how I ended up here. It's, it's God, only God. Because how does anyone end up at Goshen, really? I think it's just... <laughs> he, he did it, yep. So yeah, I'm here because of God. Um, I'm truly nothing without this dude, for reals. He's my healer, my provider my protector, my sustainer. He turns my impossible situations into possibilities. Like everything that I face is like, ah, this is not gonna happen, but God makes it possible. So that's really exciting. And even at Goshen, that's just been something that's been a constant theme. God's just been like, no, I'll do it. I'll provide for you. And I'm like, whoa, it's crazy. So it's pretty cool. So when I was on Guam, about five, four years ago, I started getting this like discontentment. 
started feeling, ah, I'm, I'm just not content with where I'm at. I, I want more. The local college didn't have interpreting school, and I was like, ah, what am I going to do? And the soccer just wasn't where I wanted it. It seemed like it was getting to a plateau, so I wanted more. I wanted to play at the college level, and I wanted to go to school for interpreting. So I started looking on Google, and I typed in soccer and sign language, and the first hit was Goshen College. <laughs> which is so weird, like how does that happen? I typed it in again just to see if that was like for reals or if it was like some weird fluke that God just made happen. But it was for reals and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. So I started looking at the college and I was like, oh, Mennonites, oh, they have some connection with Amish, this is interesting. So I started looking into that and just seeing how like the Mennonite Anabaptist history and I was like, wow, I can really relate to that, that's awesome and started researching more about Goshen. And um, then I started looking at other colleges and it was like, came down to either Rochester Institute of Technology or Goshen College. And the big thing was I was praying to God. I was like, God, please provide for all of my college education. I, I need your financial coolness because see God makes the money and God's my father so he just provides hardcore so I prayed and I was like God please provide for my college education and it happened like every last cent I don't think a lot of people from Goshen College will graduate debt-free but to the glory of God I am graduating debt-free so that's a miracle in and of itself so yeah so God provides and he's just provides for everything. In the past four years at Goshen, it hasn't been the easiest, and I don't think it will be the easiest for any of you. It won't be a breeze. There's going to be things that you're going to face that are just going to be challenging and rough, and you're going to be like, ah, how do I deal with this? Oh, life sucks. But you know what? You just have to just deal with that and rely on God in those things and just kind of like push, push closer to him. Use those things to draw you closer to him, not push you further away from him. So a big comfort in these past four years has been scriptures, and one scripture in particular has been Isaiah 43. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that scripture, but Isaiah 43, um, 18 through 19 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands. So that scripture has been, it just seems like a constant theme these past four years. Um, and I really felt like when I came to Goshen, it was like God was just telling me that. He was like, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. I'm starting a new thing in your life, Heather. And I'm making a path for you in this place. And I'm bringing streams of life into the places of your heart that is just dry and desert-like. So... And I think that's sometimes really rough because when you're like really dry in some areas of your life and just water comes into it, I think it, it can be a painful process and it's not always comfortable. I mean, yes, in the end it brings growth and goodness, but during the process it's kind of scary and new and, and frightening. So my journey has always, it seems like I've been depending on my parents, like, throughout my life. My parents never forced their religion on me. They never forced Christianity on me. But they were always there as quite a beacon and, 
and, and quite a strong force. And I always looked up to them and I was like, oh yeah, they're Christian, I go to church and I love it, it's awesome, it's fun, we get to ch chill with people, hang out, you know? So, but then like God just started to bring me closer and started to take me out of everything that I knew. Because on Guam, my parents are quite well known. Guam is like this big, for reals. It's like really tiny. On a map, the word Guam is bigger than the island. It's crazy. For reals, like look at a map. After this, just go look at a map and you'll see it. Guam is like this big and then the island, it's a dot. And that's not even a representation of the island. It's 38 miles long and eight to four miles wide. It's that tiny. So my parents are well known because they work in um, the drug rehab sector with marginalized women. Um, and they help um, women that are involved in prostitution get off the streets and help them go through rehab and things like that. So my life has been like serving my parents, helping them with whatever needs to be done, you know, like whether it be like helping with childcare at the church or doing things like that. But, it, and my parents are just well known, so people knew my parents. And also I had this big name of myself in the soccer community. I was playing for Guam national team and People knew me, I went on all these tournaments to Asia, and it was fun and I loved it. Um, but the thing was that soccer started to become my primary focus. It started to become almost a, a god, in a sense, almost an idol. Because I, I lived it, I breathed it, I did everything to train and get better and better and better. Um, so God just started to like take away those former things that I depended so much on. I depended on my parents' reputation. I depended on my reputation in soccer. And then God was like, okay, it's time to change that up and puts me in Goshen, Indiana. He plants me here for a season in my life. And it just, it's a lot of change and it's a lot of new. And I felt like God was just saying, forget the former things. See, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And it was like, whoa, this is, it's hard. It's hard to forget the former things, the things that you've relied on so much in your life. Maybe your parents' reputation like me or, or whatever. But you have to start at Goshen. Start forgetting those things. Put it in, or just put it aside almost. Like forgetting those things and just looking and seeing what God's doing. I'm sorry. <laughs> It was easier to sign it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So my first year at Goshen was tough. Culture shock hit me hard, and I felt like I was like on the ground, like I'm never coming back to Goshen. This is tough. And it was so new. Everything was just so different. Nobody knew my family, so I couldn't rely on that. Um, people, even the soccer was different. and. It's crazy, they didn't play as rough as they play out in, in Asia and, and Guam. They play much more gentle and peaceful and... <laughs> and that wasn't something I was used to. I was used to like, oh, like hitting people. And <laughs> you can see, I, I never got a red card here at Goshen though, so that's good. Only yellows. <laughs> For, yeah, yeah, yellow cards. But like that was so tough adjusting to a different style of soccer. It's like I thought soccer was like my one like thing that I could depend on, the one thing I could go to and just rely on. But it wasn't. It, 
I had to start depending on God and just seeing the new things that he was doing. So that was exciting. Um, so as these four years just come to a close, um, I just have to start forgetting these former things. And I'm gently reminded by God and him just saying, God is doing a new thing. He's bringing me into new experiences in my life. And it feels like college is only the beginning of these new things and these new experiences that I'll face. So just as God is doing a new thing in me, I pray that you guys will be able to perceive the new things that he's going to be doing in your lives in this new season, whatever that season may be, whether you're a first year, a senior, or you've been a faculty here for forever, or you're going off to that wonderland in the north. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's just like pray and start seeking God for what's that new thing that he's doing in you. And just be excited for it. Be able to let go of those things, those former things, and take hold of the new things that God has for you. All right, pieces. Good morning, my name is Annalie Murray. I'm a Bible and religion major here. And I recently transferred, well, two years ago, from Heston College, so I might be a newer face. And I also have a sister who attends here, Sarah Lynn Murray. <laughs> it's hard for me to tell my faith story since it's so intertwined with my daily life and by the communities around me. In my senior seminar, I was challenged with the task of creating a faith narrative and weaving it toward a theme that would unite my personal stories. Although some of the stories were difficult to tell, the process became a therapeutic approach towards understanding where I have come from and making a sense of where I'm going. The experiences that have been most formative for my faith narrative are almost completely centered around my home and my family. The first five years of my life were spent at Camp Luz in Kidron, Ohio, where my dad served as the camp director. Besides learning to appreciate God's creation there, it also began to form my understanding of who God is. I love singing at campfires, and the counselors and staff that provided service and leadership were an inspiration to me. One night, after walking back from a campfire to our home on the edge of the camp, I remember crawling into bed and asking Jesus into my heart before falling asleep that night. In the morning, I quietly told my mom the news. I knew that it was a big decision and that a that it was a commitment that would come with consequences. A few years later, my father received a calling from our home congregation of Martin's Mennonite Church to become the lead pastor there. Our family moved down the road to Orville, Ohio. The transition was smooth, and it was my home on Tannerville Road that I truly began to grow spiritually. Every night since I can remember, my father has come up to his children's bedroom and prayed with us. He always begins the same way. The Lord bless you and keep you, Annalie, Sarilyn, Nigel, Elisa, and Kiernan. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, Annalie, Sarilyn, Nigel, Elisa, and Kiernan. The Lord turn his face toward you, Annalie, Sarilyn, Nigel, Elisa, and Kiernan, and give you, and then he waits till we fill in the word. What is Peace. Before he continues with blessing and thanksgiving. I'm sorry, I didn't think this would make me cry. <laughs> Sarah, would you come read? <laughs> I didn't plan that. <laughs> 
I am sure he prayed the same prayer for my sisters and I on October 13. Oh, shoot. <laughs> on October 13, 2000. On that day, my grandmother, Aunt Roseanne, and Uncle Paul and their two sons were on their way to Eastern Mennonite University, EMU, for the campus homecoming weekend. Unfortunately, my grandmother, aunt, and uncle never made it to EMU. About an hour from their destination, a semi-truck put their car into an uncontrollable tailspin, sliding them into a tree. Some people said as a result of that accident, three people died. Other people said two boys lost their parents. Other people said a semi-truck driver lost his career. Regardless of what Perspective people approached the situation. Jesus' love, peace, and comfort was abundant, helping every one of us along as we moved slowly through our grief. The evening before the accident, my sixth grade class had gathered for a class party after school on Friday. I remember ending the evening with a short worship service. The song, You Are My All in All, was the sending song. I could have never guessed that the next morning Jesus would be my all in all, even more clearly than any other time in my life. On Saturday, the day after the accident, thank you. <laughs> when I came downstairs, Joyce, a close family friend, and my mom and dad were the solemn faces that greeted me. My sisters sat on the crumpled my sisters sat crumpled in Joyce's lap and my mom's lap. And my mom told me to crawl up on my dad's lap. I remember her words perfectly. Girls, everything is going to be okay. We're going to make it, okay? There was a car accident last night and your grandma Roseanne and Paul didn't make it. But your two cousins are coming to live with us and they're going to stay with us now. How do you feel about that? My sister Sarilyn was the first to answer. I'm excited. Sarilyn is the most sensitive and compassionate out of my siblings and it was quite natural for her to be the first one to answer this big question. The rest of the day, the phone never stopped ringing. People started bringing food and my mom sat on our sitting room couch crying all day. The following day, all my relatives came, the boys moved in with us, and the family began planning the funeral. My, uncle and aunts, my uncles and aunts tried to, plan, tried to close two estates. More food was brought and everyone was crying. In the midst of those first few days, I remember one visit quite distinctly which illustrated to me that Jesus was right beside us, caring for us. The first visit came at noon, the day after the, day of the, car, the, day after the car accident. My grandmother's closest friend, Mary Esther Schmid, brought our family a whole roasted chicken, mashed potatoes, and rolls. She said to me, make sure your mother and sisters keep eating. Sometimes it's hard to remember these things. I remember sitting at our kitchen table with my sisters picking at their food, my mom sitting on the sitting room couch crying, and Joyce doing dishes in the kitchen, and my dad answering the telephone. Mary Esther moved silently out of the house, but not before saying, Girls, your grandmother loved you very much. Her kind words and actions were quite clearly the loving words of Jesus and the utter aloneness I felt. Um, I knew that Jesus was extremely close, taking care of my family and me and working through our friends and family to comfort us. Jesus, Jesus nourished the crowds he preached to, and Mary Esther knew that if we were going to heal, we would also need nourishment to help us. I think it was her actions that really touched me. She silently moved around serving us and almost silently disappeared. Her service and care was not flashy and loud, just simple and generous. It has been 10 years since the car accident, but some memories still stir up sad emotions. 
<laughs> my grandma, aunt, and uncle will always be part of my life. I feel blessed to have been given two additional siblings, and when I look back, I see the closeness of Jesus manifest through our friends and faith community that took such good care of my family. Losing part of my family had a radical impact on my home life, but, as, but it has significantly helped me to value the importance of home. This past semester, I fulfilled my Bible and Religion internship at IU Health Goshen Hospital in their hospice department as a chaplain intern. The goal of the hospice chaplain is to provide spiritual care or spiritual health for patients and their families. I've been amazed by how many times home or safe place manifested itself throughout the day. By taking time to create a safe space it is, um, that is established through time and dedication to relationships, patients can begin sharing their true feelings about death. But more importantly, I have seen how creating a safe space has led to conflict resolution for many families. One family I had the honor of visiting had an internal conflict they were not able to address among themselves. However, when the cha hospice chaplain established a safe space, the family was able to communicate with each other and become reconciled to the situation. Creating a sense of home where every group is mutually respected and listened to is fundamental to the reconciliation process of peace building. Hospice had helped me to reconcile myself to many of the feelings I was not able to verbalize after the car accident. If I can help other people say goodbye to their loved ones, then I can begin to make peace with not being able to say goodbye to my family that was so quickly ripped from my embrace. I have seen home as a sacred space regardless of the physical location of the home. During one visit with a family that was gathered around their dying mother in the hospital, um, I sensed a strong, um, a strong presence in the lives of the four children um, through her service and musical ability to them. After reminiscing about her life and all the gifts she had been given, we sang Children of the Heavenly Father and Blessed Assurance. It was a beautiful and moving experience to witness the family coming together to sing their mother to heaven, and it was profound to be welcomed into that space and allowed to participate in some of the farewell. Hospice brings together everything I'm passionate about, family, reconciliation, and home. Because my hospice experience has resonated with my faith so deeply, I've decided to continue working in the hospice field even after my internship ended. As part of this process, I have accepted a SALT position through MCC to Northern Uganda. I will be taking on a role of social work, chaplain, and church educator there. It will be a different country, away from the home I have always known. It will change my concept of home, and this will be a blessing. Home has been a very important aspect of my spiritual journey. Now I'm getting ready to step into a new home in Uganda where my story will continue to grow. Even as Jesus has been present with me through my past journeys, I know he will continue to be the most integral part of my faith story. Thanks. Thank you to every one of you for opening and sharing a bit of your life with us this morning. And now as we go from this place, may the love of God watch over you, may the peace of Christ fill your hearts, and may the presence of the Holy Spirit speak in your dreams. Amen.